Over the last several days, I have been analyzing myself and really just spending time reflecting as we get ready to approach, you know, the new year with 2020 right ahead of us. And we are now officially in December. And with me spending time analyzing some of my behaviors, looking back and reflecting, you know, what I did right, what I did wrong, what I could have done better, I began to study some of my own personal coping mechanisms. Like I began to look at like chance, how does chance deal with stress? How does chance cope with stress? And as I began to look at my life and look at some of the things that I used to do in the past and even some of the patterns that I still currently have in my life, I wanted to get to the root of why I was doing some of the things that I really don't still wanna do, but it's like, why am I still doing these things? And I realized that these things were my coping mechanisms. So I wanna introduce you and welcome you to this podcast. This is the Emerge Podcast. I'm your host, Chance Cessna, and today, this is exactly what we're diving into. We're talking about coping mechanisms. We're talking about how do you deal with stress? All that and more right after the break. I first want to start off defining what it actually means to cope. To cope means to get through, to get by, to keep one's head above water, to manage, to survive, or to put up with. And as I began to research even deeper, I found some other definitions that were interesting. It said that to cope was synonymous with to cover or to furnish, to blanket, to mask, to hide, to veil, or to wrap. And as I began to look at the definitions of this word cope, I began to examine my own life and to write down certain things and patterns patterns in my life that I would do to cope with stress, to cope with being frustrated, to cope with being angry or whatever it may ha- have you. There were certain consistent things in my life in the past and even some consistent things right now in my life, ways that I use to cope and not all of them are the healthiest ways. So I want to talk about you know, ways that you cope with your stress, that you cope with your problems, but also give a healthy alternative of how can we deal with these things? How can we deal with the pressures of life? How can we deal, you know, with the pressures um, that produce stress in our life and go about them in a healthy way and deal with them head on in a healthy way, really confronting these issues where you're no longer a slave to the coping mechanism that's producing the irritation, that's producing the frustration in you where you're not a slave to those things. So I'll give you an example. You know, as I began to look at and examine my life, I realized that at times that I feel the most stressed out, my first, first desire, and this is probably the first time I'm sharing this openly and publicly, um, (laughs) is my first go-to thing when I'm frustrated, when I'm mad, is donuts. (laughs) And as silly and as small as it may sound, it's like, girl, you know, it's donuts. But it became 
an issue because I'm like, whenever I realized I was at this, at my highest point of frustration or at my highest point of anger, I would crave donuts. I would crave something sweet, but specifically donuts. And I remember one particular day at this point in time, I was living in Los Angeles and something happened this day where I was just ready to give up on life. You know, like, I don't know if you guys ever had those days where it's like, you're just ready to throw in the towel. You're ready just to walk off the cliff and just say goodbye life. Like you're ready to just, you know, walk away from it all and just not have to deal with the pressures of life. I, I was having one of those days and it was a really, really bad day. I had some horrible news that I had just found out. And the first thing that came to my mind, I remember I was with a friend. I said, hey, can you take me to the donut shop? And, you know, they looked at me. They're like, that's the first thing you want to do? I'm like, yes, take me to the donut shop. (laughs) I want donuts. And, you know, we went there and I had donuts. Um, However, with me and my, you know, you know, the current state, you know, I have I have, you know, a good, great teeth. You know, my sister's uh, a prosthodontist. She's a dentist. That's her specialty. Um. God has blessed me with a, with, a, with a good smile, but I have a lot of cavities. So because I have a lot of cavities, running to donuts, running to sweets, that's the last thing that I need to be doing to coping, you know, when it relates to coping, uh, to, to the stresses and the pressures of life. That's the last thing I need to be doing because all honesty, your girl has a lot of cavities because a lot of sugar that I've eaten over the years. So that's not the best thing for me, you know? So let's look at some coping mechanisms that a lot of people uh, use to um, get through life, to get by, to keep their head above water, to simply survive. So number one is drinking, drinking alcohol. So, you know, many of us, you know, or just many people, not say us, but, you know, many people in general, um, when you have a long day at work, the first thing you want to do uh, for a lot of people is go to the bar. It's like after work, we're going to go to happy hour. We're going to get some drinks because it's been a long day at work. It's been a stressful day at work. I'm like, this is how we cope. Now, now, if you go out for social drinks, if that's what you do, that's totally fine. But when it becomes a point where every day you're going out for drinks, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, you know, and it becomes the cycle where you where you're doing it every day because maybe it starts with I'll just go out with a drink, you know, with friends, you know, one day a month. Then it's like, oh, I'll go out maybe two, three times a month. Then it's like, oh, well, let's get drinks once a week. And then it's like, OK, let's get drinks, you know, every other day. You know, how about we just go get drinks every day after work? You know, it's this gradual progression that a lot of times we are blindsided by and that we can't even see. But we look up and now we're drinking every day, you know, out of our frustration, out of work pressure, out of, you know, co-workers that are maybe getting on your nerves and it becomes unhealthy. Or for some people, you just you just like to drink. You like to drink and you don't see a problem with it. But if you're doing it every single day, let me tell you, you are addicted. If you're doing it every other day, if you can't go a couple of weeks without having a drink, if you need to have a drink multiple times a week, that's something that you should honestly examine for yourself. Is it a healthy connection? And you may say, well, it's healthy to me because, you know, I enjoy it. I'm having a good time. But we have to look at the consequences over time of our actions. And so many times we want to live in the moment and 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 really just almost numb our pain and numb the things that bring us stress that we don't look at the long term's effect 
uh, long-term effects of drinking or, or these certain coping mechanisms of how they can affect our futures, how they can affect our children, how they can uh, affect our finances, how they can affect our career in the long run. So we're, we're thinking our future selves. Is this good for my future self? Is this good for where I want to go? So drinking is one of them. You know, I know for me, um, at one point, I'm like, I'm not drinking hard alcohol. I'll just have a glass of wine here and there and it's no problem. So that glass of wine started off maybe just a glass of wine, you know, maybe, you know, a couple of times a month, two, three, four, four times a month. I have a nice glass of wine with dinner. Then it moved to every week. Like, okay, I can have a nice glass of wine every week. I'll eat it with my food. It's no problem with wine, right? So the next thing you know, I look up, I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Life has been tough for your girl. Um, I need to go to Trader Joe's and, you know, get a couple of bottles of wine. Um, I mean, not a couple of bottles like to drink all in one day, but, you know, I just I just had them there. Like whenever I want to have wine, I'll have it. And then I looked up and I was I was like probably drinking wine, maybe like every 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 other day. Well, every couple of days. But it wasn't like I was finishing the bottle. I'm like, I'll just have a small glass. But looking back at it, I was drinking wine because I was frustrated. The source of me wanting to drink wine is because I was in a season of my life where I was frustrated. I was upset. Life wasn't looking like the expectations that I had for myself and the expectations I had for my life. It just seemed like everything in my life wasn't measuring up. So I'm like, well, let me just get a glass of wine to soothe myself because I don't smoke. You know, I don't do drugs, uh, but a glass of wine, that shouldn't hurt me. But I remember one day coming home and something just said, Chance, you can't do this. This is not healthy. The reason behind it, the root behind it is not healthy. And I'm like, I remember just going in prayer and saying, God, just deliver me from this. You know, I wasn't addicted, but I was like, it's just a glass of wine. It was more so my perception of the thing, not understanding the gravity and the weight uh, of what was attaching me to do that thing, to do that action, which was drinking wine. And I came home that day and I took the wine and I poured it all out and I got rid of all the bottles. And I'm like, I'm not drinking wine because I don't need it. It's just, it was just simple for me. I don't need it. I can deal with stress in so many other ways. I can pray. That should be my number one thing. Chance, just pray. When you're feeling stressed out, go before God, pray. You know, that word pray and going before God when you're stressed out doesn't sound super sexy. I'm aware of that. It's like, girl, you telling me like when I'm stressed out, go pray, go in my closet and pray or go home and pray or pray in my car. Yes, I'm actually telling you that. And no, it may not sound sexy, but it is an 100% proof remedy that through prayer, we can cast our cares upon God. You know, we can cast our cares and give our burdens to God because there's things in life that are just too heavy for us to care, to carry on our own. And the word of God says this, that when, that when we cast our cares upon the Lord, that, that, that his yoke is easy and that his burden is light. So if things in life are burdening you down and things in life are making you feel heavy, it's because you're not giving those things back to God. You're not surrendering those things back to God. It's almost like, you know, you're at the gym and you're lifting these heavy, heavy, heavy weights. And God's like, look, you actually don't have to lift those heavy weights. I can take those weights off of you so you can be free. 
you know, and that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to lift the weight of life off of us. Jesus came to lift the weight of stress and pressure and trauma. You know, God ultimately sent Jesus to say, look, I can hold your hand through this process. You don't have to resort to drinking or drugs or or sex or whatever it may be. You don't have to resort to those things. So um, so that's just a quick testimony of one of the things that I saw as a potential hindrance to my future and a hindrance to where I want to go. So drinking is a coping mechanism. Smoking is a coping mechanism. You know, I know a lot of people, you know, different people smoke different things. Some people smoke cigarettes. Some people smoke weed. Some of you guys listening, you may be weed smokers. You may be cigarette smokers. But examine why do you why am I smoking cigarettes every day? You know, I come from a family of of certain women um, that smoke that have smoked cigarettes. They've been smoking cigarettes probably since they were 15 years old. You know, some some people in my family. And it's like they've been doing that their entire lives and that's all they've come to know. But it's like, why do I feel the need to smoke five cigarettes a day? Why do I feel the need to smoke an entire pack of cigarettes a day knowing that it's not good for me? I don't need cigarettes. You don't need it. I'm telling you right now, you don't need it. But what you can do for those of you, maybe you say, you're right, Chance. I don't need to be smoking cigarettes anymore or I want to stop smoking weed, you know, Position yourself, align yourself with the right resources, with the right people that will hold you accountable and say, you know, to keep you on the straight and narrow. Do what you have to do to get free. You know, one of my good friends, uh, he smokes cigarettes and I'm like, look, I challenge you to a 10 day fast, 10 days of no smoking. And I believe at first prior to this, he was like, he might have been smoking almost a pack of cigarettes every day. And I'm like, Look, you're my friend. I love you. I want to challenge you. No smoking for 10 days. So he didn't smoke for 10 days. And he said he just, I mean, his skin cleared up. Number one, that was the first thing he said. He was like, Chance, my skin is cleared up. Like all that acne and stuff is gone. I feel great. You know, things are going well in his life. He got a promotion at work. I mean, it was just, it was just phenomenal results just in that short period of time. So I challenge you to go on a fast. Start with a fast. If you're trying to break a bad habit, Start with maybe just fasting. It can be 10 days. It can be 21 days. It can be 30 days. And you'll look up maybe at the end of it and say, you know what? I don't need that. And I don't really want that anymore. So smoking for some people, their coping mechanism is sex, right? Every time they're frustrated, they're angry or, or you know, anytime you're frustrated or you're angry, you pick up the phone and you and you call someone that you can cuddle up with, that you can, you know, lay down with, that you can maybe have sex with to relieve that stress. Even though that person may not be your husband, they're not your wife, they're not even anyone significant that you want to take into the future. You're just calling them because maybe they're available. You're calling them because you know like it's accessible for you. You know, it's like that access thing. It's like, I know if I call them, they'll answer the phone. They'll be over here in 15 minutes. We can do what we need to do. And I can, I can cope with my stress. Never allow sex to become a coping mechanism. You know, for me, um, those of you who may know, I have been on a, uh, on a journey of abstinence for a very, very long time uh, where I have made the decision that I truly do want to wait to have sex until marriage. That is my desire. It's not because I want to be a perfect angel walking down the aisle. It's not because I, I've never had sex before in the past, but I'm like, 
I, I just, I want to get to know someone for who they truly are. And I want them to be okay with not having sex with me. Like let's develop a real friendship first, because I want to number one, use my body, which I know is not my own. God has given me this body and I want to honor God with my body. I don't want to just give it out to anybody and everybody. So um, I'm not having sex right now, but it's still a challenge because those urges are there. Come on. The lust is still there. Those desires are still there. And I constantly have to subdue those things through prayer, you know, through through really a lot of prayer because uh, it takes a lot of prayer because of the culture and the society that we live in, you know, sex and sexual images and pornography, all those things are everywhere. So I'm thankful that I'm in a position now where I'm, God has graced me to be able to say no to certain things that I know aren't good for me. And one of those things happen to be sex. Uh, so sex is a coping mechanism. Gambling, some people, they gamble, right? They get a little bit of money. And maybe, you know, they're under a lot of financial stress. So they say, if I go gamble, maybe I can flip this money around and then I'll have enough money to pay for what I need to pay for. But anyone who is is a serial gambler that's addicting to gambling know that that lifestyle is so up and down. That lifestyle is just not a healthy lifestyle. And a lot of times you just end up on the losing end. You know what I mean? Like I remember I went to Vegas one time before. (laughs) This is a funny story. And I'm like, I would never gamble. I would never get on the slot machines, like never, never, never. And this was, I don't know, maybe 2013, 14. So I went to Vegas and then one of my friends was like, girl, just take, just take some change. She has some change. And they're like, just, just do one slot machine. Like you do one slot, like it's not going to hurt you. And I'm like, no, I'm not a gambler. Next thing you know, (laughs) I'm taking out the quarters. I'm putting them in the machine because we had some downtime. See, and that's another thing. Sometimes in life, when you have too much downtime, when you you have too much time in between, when you're bored, you start to entertain things that aren't healthy for you. So I'm like, I put the money in the machine and I'm doing now I'm sitting at the slot machine, right? 10 minutes earlier. I'm like, I would never gamble. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm you know, the lights, the lights are all in my eyes and I'm, the, I'm seeing the little cherries go around and I'm getting excited. Um, but long story short, I didn't win a dime. I lost all the little money that she gave me, which was just literally maybe like a couple of, you know, a couple of quarters, maybe the penny slots or something. And I've never gambled since that day because it didn't produce anything for me. You know, it's, it was just, it was no, no benefit, you know? So some people gamble to cope with stress, to cope with life. You know, I know I had one family member who would live in the casino. I have you know, just live there. And that was his way, you know, of coping with maybe a bad marriage or, you know, you know, just being disappointed in his love life. So you have to draw the connection. Serial dating is also a coping mechanism where you're just dating, 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 dating. Of course. Now, listen, I want to explain this. There's nothing wrong with dating, especially if you're dating with a purpose, if you're dating to maybe one day get married to someone, you know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about where you're literally dating people and you're going on dates maybe every night, every other night, maybe you're on all the dating apps, but you're doing it to fill a void. You're doing it, you're doing it from a place that isn't healthy. You're doing it from a place of desperation. And I believe when it comes to love, and this is my personal perspective, when it comes to love, love is not born out of desperation. The only thing born out of desperation is lust. 
And I can speak for myself. Anytime I was desperate for a man or desperate to move in on something, it was usually stemmed by a lust or a desire to physically be be with this person or to do something with this person or to be intimate with this person. But true love doesn't 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 mind being patient, right? Someone that truly loves you, that's seeking you, even you know your desire to be loved or pursue love. You know, you don't have to rush it. So when there's desperation there, it's like, is this healthy that I'm desperately searching for dates? I'm desperately searching for the next man, the next woman to fill a void. It's like, that's, that's not healthy. And, you know, I used to be at that point at one time. I'm like, I got a date. I got to find someone. I got to be with someone. And I was obsessed with it. So if you are enjoying this podcast so far, make sure you write me and you connect with me on all social media outlets. You can find me at Chancesna on Instagram, on Facebook and Twitter. And then also I would love to hear from you on my website, www.chancesna.com. You can write me, you can reach out to me. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear your opinions on this particular topic, how to cope, you know, with your stress, how to deal with these issues in life so you can move forward in a healthy way and really have control over the destiny, over the future that has your name on it. Stay tuned. So serial dating is a coping mechanism and we have to be careful not to obsess over it. Another coping mechanism is gossiping. Some people gossip. They gossip because they don't like their life. They don't like how things have been going for themselves, whether it's they don't like what's happening at home in their personal life. You know, they're not happy about the job they work. They're not happy about the relationship that they're in. So they find ways to gossip to make them feel better you know, about the reality of their present circumstance. And as a result, it affects and it hurts other people. When you gossip about, uh, gossip about people, it affects other people. It, it can hurt other people, but they do it. And people that do gossip do it as a result um, because they don't understand that it is a coping mechanism. People gossip or find themselves caught up in gossip on a consistent basis because it's a way that people cope. Another way that people cope is through eating. Now, eating, this is a huge way and an outlet that people cope. People either cope through eating too much or not eating enough at all. You know, I know for me, I'm on the end where it's like, if I'm under a lot of stress, I don't mind pushing away a plate to finish a project. So for me, maybe that's under eating or not eating enough. Some people, when they're under a lot of pressure, they're like, I need your plate and two, three, four, five other plates. And I need to go through this drive through honey, and get this number one with cheese. And they start ordering everything on the menu because that's how they deal with stress. But let me tell you, eating and using it as a way to cope is deadly and is dangerous. Because over time, you're eating all those things. Next thing you know, you open yourself up to diseases, allowing certain diseases to come into your body, diabetes, you know, I believe that cancer, like cer- certain, you know, certain foods are cancerous and have cancerous cells in them. And, and, and cancer is based off our diet. 
partly, not entirely, but partly, you know? So it's like, we have to be careful about what we're putting in our body. But if you're so busy coping with eating, 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 you're not looking at the, your diet. You're not looking at how many calories that thing has. You're not looking at looking, you know, at the labels to see if it's healthy for you. So this is a serious thing that we need to address. Uh, so eating self-harm, self-harm is another coping mechanism. Some people cut themselves, right? They'll slice their wrists, you know, not necessarily trying to kill themselves, but as a way to cope. It's like, if I feel pain, I feel normal because they're so used to living life in pain and feeling pain. So it's like, if I just cut myself, you know, and feel this pain, at least I'm in control over the pain that I'm feeling which means I can't give anyone else control. It's like, it's almost like they want to take control over who can hurt them. And instead I'll just hurt myself, which is a very dark and dangerous place to be. Is that your way of how you cope? Do you cope that way? You know, we're having an open conversation here tonight, family, and I really want to hear your feedback. What are some of your coping mechanisms? You know, I told you earlier in the show, for me, it was eating sweets and it still is eating sweets and I'm working on that. Uh, but at least I know now. Um, and then at one point in time, a season of my life where I was just stressed, I was drinking a lot of wine. I was drinking a lot of wine and I'm like, I don't need that. You know, so I got rid of those things. So... Let's examine ourselves so we can so we can grow and mature and ultimately really become all that God wants us to be. We don't want any any hindrances in our life that are keeping us from being the greatest version of who we know God designed us to be, you know, of who God created you to be. Um, So another way that people cope is through blaming Some people just blame people all the time. It's like they can never just own up to it. You know, I don't know if you've ever had a friend like that or you dated a person like that, where it's like they can never just own up to what they did. Like they're always blaming, but they're coping with this really just this feeling of feeling ashamed because they know it's like if I if I tell the truth or if I fess up, I'll be ashamed because I know I was wrong. Um, So they blame other people. That's that's a form of coping. Another form of coping is procrastination. You procrastinate. I heard it like this earlier this week. I was listening to a woman. She was doing this this speech and she was saying people think procrastination stems from being lazy. Procrastination does not stem from being lazy. Procrastination stems from being stressed. So you procrastinate because you're actually stressed out. Right. You don't get to it because you're stressed. You're frustrated. You have so much on your mind. So once you de-stress and you clear your mind, then you'll stop procrastinating because your mind is clear and you'll get to work. So procrastination is a, a form of coping. You're, 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 push, you're pushing it away or you're overthinking it when you should just be starting. So procrastination is a form of coping. Isolating yourself, this is a big one. Some people isolate themselves when they cope. They're like, I wanna get away from life. I wanna get away from my family. I wanna get away from my friends. They'll even move to an entirely different city so they don't have to deal with people that they knew growing up or they knew before and they completely isolate themselves. That's dangerous to isolate yourself. No man is an island. I believe that we were all created by God for relationship. We were created to have relationship with one another. We are a human race. We are mankind. We were designed to interact with one another. So you want to make sure that you're not isolating yourself. Sabotage is another form of coping. Do you sabotage first yourself, 
which is called self-sabotage. When you have good opportunities and good things coming your way, you find a way to throw a monkey wrench in it so it won't happen out good for you because you're afraid that it it will turn out good. Do you self-sabotage? Do you sabotage other people? Do you sabotage other people's success? Have you sabotaged your friend's success or your friends? You know, you see your friends and you sabotage it. Have you sabotaged relationships where it's like you meet a really great person that might want to take you out on a date, but you sabotage it. You're like, no, you know, maybe, maybe you don't feel good enough to go out on a date. Maybe you don't feel beautiful enough to go out on a date. Whatever the reason is, you're sabotaging. And you want to make sure that you are not using sabotage as a way to cope. Another coping mechanism is lying. Some people that are serial liars. I'm talking about serial liars. I mean, every now and then, you know, you you know, well, I'm not condoning any type of lies here. Okay. (laughs) But those who are just serial liars where you just can't get the truth from from this person. I know I've dated people like that in the past where it's like, bro, like you can't tell me the truth for nothing. Like everything's a lie. Like you can't tell me the truth about nothing about anything. But people lie as a way to cope, as a way to hide themselves. You know, we talked about the definition of coping earlier, and it was to to hide, to cover, to furnish, to blanket, to mask, to veil, to wrap. So people lie to cover themselves. People lie to blanket themselves. People lie to mask and veil themselves. Another form of coping is being hypersensitive and emotional. Some people that are extremely just hypersensitive, hyper emotional, you know, you can barely look at them without them wanting to cry or getting an attitude or getting offended. And it's like, why, like, why are you so offended? Why are you so defensive? Why are you so just hypersensitive? Why are you overly emotional? Whereas like anything I say to you, you're ready to break out in tears. You know, that's the thing that you have to examine. What's the root of that thing? Why am I so emotional? Why am I so defensive? Why am I so easily offended? You know, does it trigger something or is it connected to a memory from my past that wasn't that that just wasn't a good memory or something that I just don't want to remember? So being hypersensitive and being emotional. And then the last one out of the 15 ways that people most often cope with stress is social media. Social media is one of the biggest ways that people cope with stress because it's so easy, it's so accessible, it's right there in your hand. You can do it right under someone's nose. It's like, I don't wanna deal with life. I wanna forget about work. I wanna forget about what's happening around me and literally dive into someone else's timeline, dive into someone else's life within a click of a button, within just typing in their name. I can be living an entirely different experience through my eyes, through the visuals of watching someone on social media. So taking social media breaks, knowing when to take a break, knowing when to unplug is very, very important when it comes to identifying what your coping mechanisms are and making sure you position position yourself in a healthy way. One scripture I wanna share with you is 1 Corinthians 10, 23. It says, I have the right to do anything you say. But not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. So it's like, just because you have the freedom to do it doesn't mean that you should do it. 
doesn't mean that it's beneficial, doesn't mean it's constructive. So with all these things, when we talk about coping mechanisms, whether it was drinking, um, smoking, drugs, sex, blaming, self-harm, procrastination, isolation, being hypersensitive, gossiping, serial dating, gambling, whatever it may be, you have to ask yourself, is this beneficial for my future? Is it constructive? Is this who I want to become? Do I want to become a drunk? Eventually you may say, well, I'm not a drunk now. I just have a drink every now and then. You know, do I, do I want to become someone that's hooked on drugs? And it's like, well, no, I just do it, you know, every now and then when me and my friends go to Coachella, you know, you know. It's like, what, what, what do you see for your future? What is the future picture of the future version of yourself that you want to manifest? It's like, what do you want the portrait of your future to look like? And that's what we should be focused on, family. That's what we should be focused on. So I encourage you to write me as we get ready to come to a close and share you know, some of your coping mechanisms and how you deal with life and how you deal with the stress and then maybe some plans on how you plan to stop. So actually, with that being said, I encourage everyone listening to this podcast, I challenge you right now, and I'm gonna do it myself, for the next 21 days, of December for the next 21 days that you fast, which means to ultimately abstain from, completely abstain from what your coping mechanisms are. That means you don't do them. You don't do them. So if it's smoking, you don't smoke for 21 days. If it's drinking, you don't drink for 21 days. If it's overeating, you start eating smaller portions for the next 21 days. If it's gossiping, you stop talking about people and don't talk about anybody for the next 21 days, no matter how they look or you know how funny they may look or how silly they may look, you just zip it. You say, you know what? I'm not gonna talk about that person today. I'm not gonna do that. For the next 21 days, I challenge you to let go of, to abstain, to put aside those things that you use to cope and replace them with something else. Replace them, replace them. So you can replace them with several different things. You can replace them with um, prayer and meditation. Prayer and meditation, for those who pray, you get up, you pray, or when you have that desire, you just pray, you pray. You can replace them with a new hobby. You know, practically, we're talking about, you know, just practical terms now, finding a new hobby, exercising, going to the spa, right? It's good to go to the spa every now and then. I go to the spa. You know, and it's a great stress reliever. Uh, going to therapy. Some of you all, some of us need to go see a therapist. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for actually a great therapist right now uh, because I believe it's healthy to have someone to talk to and really hash out your emotions and your feelings with. And sometimes just a person that's not a part of your inner circle. You need to talk to someone and it's okay to talk to someone that's not a part of your inner circle, right? Your family, friends, someone that doesn't know you that will give you an unbiased perspective or view. Um, and then you also go to the word of God, right? So I, 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 I can see a therapist, but I'm also going to go to the word of God to, to, to first, you know, get the wisdom from, from God. And then, you know, align with maybe the feedback that the therapist would give me and say, you know, God, what, you know, how do I apply this? Right. How do I work this thing? 
Uh, music, you know, music is a great way to um, alleviate stress. You know, for me, I love all types of music, but worship music just does it for me. I, li- I love listening to worship music because worship, when you worship, it's you pouring out, right? You're not thinking about your problems. You're not thinking about, you know, are the bills paid? You just worship. You just thank God. You're just in a place of gratitude. You're worshiping God saying, God, I just thank you for what I do have. I thank you for the life that you have given me. It's not perfect, but I'm thankful. And you're, you're just letting, you know, allowing yourself to be in a place of worship and listening to worship music. Um, nature, nature walks are good going out, getting fresh air, you know, doing nature walks. And I'm not talking about like once a year, but maybe like once a week you go for a walk in your neighborhood, you, you know, or you go for a walk, you drive to a new neighborhood and you go for a walk. You can do that as well. Another way to cope in a healthy way is to travel. You can travel. Some of you guys, you're like, well, I work all the time. What I do or what I like to do is staycations where maybe for one day you get away. Maybe you drive a couple of hours away, maybe into the suburb and, you know, stay at some nice hotel out there and make it an entire little retreat for yourself. So you stay at the hotel, maybe you go to the spa while you're there, you go out to a good restaurant and you just take some time away from the city or the busy life that you live. Um, That's another way. So those are some tips from me and or some tips from the Internet (laughs) that I found. But I would love to hear yours. And once again, thank you so much for tuning in to my podcast. This is the Emerge Podcast. I'm your host, Chance Cessna, and I look forward to hearing your feedback on this topic and also connecting with you guys on social media. So I guess I will see you guys next week and make sure that you continue to emerge every single day because emerging is a lifestyle.